Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Woke Howard Stern has COVID. Uh, thoughts and prayers. We all wish him well. He hasn't left his basement in four years after being uh, vaccine, I think, uh, 11 times. But still managed to get COVID. And he's back on the air, though. So prayers to Woke Howard Stern. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter. At Rich Zioli, Obama is increasingly worried about Joe Biden's ability to get reelected president. And the Hawkeye Cockeye, as Rush used to call it, is uh, almost underway as Republican candidates are pushing for votes in Iowa right now. And there'll be a series of uh, town hall meetings tonight. Haley, tomorrow, DeSantis and then Wednesday, Trump all on the Fox News Network. So that's what's happening right now. And I see uh, live in Des Moines, Iowa, it's snowing, unlike our area, which did not get any snow over the weekend. I saw little flurries here and there, a couple little flurries. My kids were excited, though. They love that. I mean, why not? You're, you know, you're a kid. I mean, it's magical. It's very magical. But I knew there'd be nothing shovelable. The French toast industrial complex wins again as people rush to the store to buy milk and bread and eggs and also snacks for the game yesterday, which was a complete abomination. A disaster, a disgrazia, and something we are all still dealing with uh, internally, inside. The agita that ensued from watching that fiasco of a football game yesterday. Uh, There are new attacks on Donald Trump right now. And Nancy Pelosi, the vampiric one, was on with the unbiased journalist George Stephanopoulos over the weekend, talking about how the state should decide whether or not Trump should be on the ballot. Uh, Obviously, the United States Supreme Court is going to decide that in a month when they hear the challenge to Colorado's decision to ban him from being on the ballot. Now, smart Democrats understand what a dumpster fire this is for the Democrat Party in general, banning him from the ballot to save democracy. You know, taking somebody off the ballot in the name of saving democracy, and they realize how stupid it is and how it just helps him, but they're still doing it. And, you know, I mean, they're not going to stop. It's it's personal for these people. It's, it's very, very personal. And they're terrified that he's going to win again because, well, he's going to win again. Whoever the Republican nominee is, is going to win again. But the Republican nominee is going to be Trump. So that means he's going to win. And that terrifies them. Oh, it terrifies the bejesus out of them. So obviously with the high holy day of January 6th now now behind us. And I hope you had a nice insurrection weekend. uh, They're they're all trying to scare the bejesus out of us about democracy. And so to save it, they'll ban a candidate from being on the ballot. A very, very popular one was the front runner for president of the United States. I mean, that's their ultimate goal here. Oh, and in, and in Philadelphia, the uh, National Park Service is going to remove the statue of William Penn. He apparently is not woke enough, and they're going to take the statue down, and then they will not be putting it back up. And this has obviously outraged a lot of people. Remember years ago, in my first iteration of Afternoon Drive, we were all discussing the issue of removing the statues of Confederate generals. And you remember what I told you then? I said it was not about Confederate generals. It is not going to stop with Confederate generals or Confederate general street names or anything like that. It is about going after the founding of this country, the founding of the Republic. And to prove that point, names like Woodrow Wilson and Franklin Delano Roosevelt survive. 
and William Penn gets canceled. But William Penn represents the founding of Pennsylvania. Obviously, the founding of this country is an integral part of it, uh, an integral part of it. And then ultimately, the goal here, of course, is to wipe out any semblance of the United States Constitution, because the Constitution, the guardrails that contains the left from having just their field day of Marxism on this country, although they're managing to do a great job, even with the guardrails in place, they are managing to do a great job of just unleashing their Marxist utopia upon all of us. But without the Constitution, they obviously would be able to do it even more. It would be a perfect storm, if you will, a perfect storm. And without the Constitution, uh, nothing stops them. So that's their ultimate goal. And that's why eventually I told you years ago, they would come for the founders. They come for the founding of the country. They come for the documents they wrote, Declaration of Independence. And ultimately, all of this was about destroying the United States Constitution. Because if you can argue that the people that started this country were white supremacists or were mean to the Indians and Native Americans, then you have to tear up the documents they wrote, too. You can't leave those hanging around. Duh. Obviously. So that's where all this is headed right now. And the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, uh, was sick, apparently, and didn't tell anybody for like a week. And there's a lot of anger over this right now. And everybody's befuddled. He was secretly hospitalized and didn't tell anybody, including the president. And, the, the, and, and, and he's critical in the line of succession. And also, in, if there's ever a war, an actual war, not, not a Fugazi war, but say like the United States of America was attacked and you couldn't reach the president or something or the president was killed. or you know, The Secretary of Defense has kind of a role to play in all this. And he was absent. And th- this top Pentagon official named Sasha Baker was there in his place. And the thing about it is that they they didn't know. I mean, nobody knew that the defense secretary was hospitalized. And we don't know. We don't know exactly when the White House knew either. It was a secret hospitalization. It's now spiraled into a huge political firestorm engulfing the Biden administration. Senior White House officials are struggling to answer questions about who knew what and when about the former general's medical emergency. And you got people in the media and now they're criticizing this and Congress is criticizing this. The White House will be serving up word salads, no doubt about it. And since the Pentagon went public with the situation Friday night, new reports are coming in, including Politico's disclosure on Saturday evening that the Pentagon had not informed President Joe Biden or the National Security Council for days that Austin was indisposed. So they didn't know that the secretary of defense. Now, look, you know, if the secretary of labor or the secretary of uh, the interior, you know, I mean, like, who cares? You know, what I mean, like you, it, but the secretary of defense plays a critical role in war. I mean, like, if, if honestly, if the United States of America was attacked or we had to attack somebody. The sec def, as he's known, plays a critical role in the whole thing. And if if you can't reach the guy and <laughs> nobody knows and the White House doesn't know. That 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 is a problem, a, a major potential problem. Now, the White House says his job is not in jeopardy. The precise nature about what happened with him, the medical complications and even the current condition as of right now remain unclear. And they're only being addressed in very vague terms. But there's a lot of firestorm about this. And I got to wonder why there's so much firestorm about this. And the only thing I can think of is that it's just it's so incredibly this whole administration is a dumpster fire. You know, it really is. It's a dumpster fire. And so to have the, the Secretary of Defense just, just go missing, you know what I mean? It just disappear. It just kind of is par for the course, you know? Oh, yes. And the Secretary of Defense, the deputy, was on, was on vacation. But now President Joe Biden is not, apparently not considering firing Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. That usually means, that's Washington code for, well, I mean, <laughs> he's done. Yeah, you know, whenever they say we're going to stand by you, we stand by you. That usually means that 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 you're you're done. That's Washington speak for you're done. Austin's going nowhere, they said. But I don't believe that for a second. The Pentagon had already announced that Austin wasn't planning to resign. He remains focused on conducting his duties as Secretary of Defense in defense of our nation. The decision by the president to stand by Austin comes amid calls from Republicans, including former President Donald Trump, for him to be fired. He did not disclose last week that he was hospitalized at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center with complications from an undisclosed surgical procedure, raising questions about what ailment he had and why he decided to keep such a sensitive matter secret. But Biden is famously loyal, they say, and it's all just chatter. It's all just chatter. 
And Kirby came out today. John Kirby, he had a lot to say and said, uh, Biden respects the fact that Austin took ownership for the lack of transparency. Oh, that's good. He, 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 he took ownership of the lack of transparency that he would not come out and tell the White House or the president where he was. That's helpful. That's that's really, really helpful. I think that makes everybody feel good. And with the question around all of this now, you got to ask yourself a kind of a a a, a big a big question. Um, did the secretary of state know that the secretary of defense wasn't available? Because you'd imagine that if war broke out, like an actual war, you'd have to, you'd have to, I don't know, you'd imagine those two be picking up the phone and talking to each other. Like if the president was unreachable, you know, Air Force One was sucked into a black hole or something like that miss- missing Malaysian flight. Was, well, that was Don Lemon's theory. You know, they were sucked into a black hole. So let's say Air Force One was sucked into a giant black hole. And you couldn't reach the president because in black holes, you know, there's like it's it, it's I don't negative uh, filtration or something. There's no it's a vacuum. So you say you couldn't get the you know, the the, the radios to work. And it's like, where's the president? I don't know. Last time we saw Air Force One, it was heading for this black hole and it disappeared. So now you have the vice president who's a moron tossing word salad somewhere at a mall. And now the secretary of defense is in the hospital, not telling anybody. So let's say the secretary of state finds out about an imminent attack. And he can't reach anybody. You know, that, you go, well, that could be an issue. You know, you, you would imagine that the, sec, the Secretary of State would reach the sec def and say, well, we have to let the president know and we can't reach him. And if you can't reach the president because Air Force One got sucked into a black hole, then you got a real problem. But here's Blinken last week. Didn't even know. I mean, he, 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 didn't, he didn't know. The Secretary of, uh, of State, Anthony Blinken, he wasn't even aware of this. Cut number three. With uh, regard to uh, Secretary Austin, um, I wasn't aware of his um, uh, medical issue. Uh, in fact, I, I talked to, to Lloyd last weekend uh, before this incident, um, and I know that he's put out a statement addressing it. Um, what I can say is this. It has been, it remains one of the great privileges of my career over 30 years now working in, in government uh, to serve alongside Lord Austin, Lloyd Austin. He is an extraordinary leader for this country, in uniform and now out of uniform. And it's been a highlight of my service to be able to serve alongside him. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing him fully uh, recovered and um, working side by side uh, in the year ahead. Um, what is your policy? Uh, Again, I think he, he put out a statement uh, addressing this. I'll let that statement speak for itself. What would your policy be if that was Well, I'm not going to, I won't get into hypotheticals on uh, that Yeah, I mean, I, you know, look, I mean, the guy disappeared, he went AWOL, but well, yeah, it's fine, you know. If a soldier did this, he'd be in a lot of, he'd be in hot water, but he's a secretary of defense, so it's, it's cool. It's fine. Uh, a little bit later in the show today, we're going to make an announcement. We have an event coming up. You're going to be very excited about this, I believe. So we'll tell you about that a little bit later in the show today. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm also watching with, um, as you can imagine, a, a lot of, uh, in the middle of the Secretary of Defense disappearing, you know, we have more of these attacks by the Iranian-backed uh, Houthis, Houthis. And the Defense Secretary was incapacitated, incapacitated for the better part of a week. And, and nobody, nobody knew where the guy was. As American ships are being attacked, the Secretary of Defense just, you know, is just in the hospital. Look, the thing about hospitals is they do have phones. You know, I mean, you could reach somebody. You could let people know. If you, want, if you wanted to, you could reach out to somebody. It's very possible you could. But then again, you know, if it's sometimes you just want to get off the grid for a few days. And that's okay as long as people know you're off the grid. And, you're, and your deputy is, is, is also not on vacation in Puerto Rico. But, you know, that's the that's the problem with this administration. It is so incompetent. You know, the incompetence just he just screams from the rooftop. It really does. Here's NBC News pointing out that Biden didn't know he wasn't aware for days that his own defense secretary was in the hospital, was in the ICU. Uh, Cut four. 
Tonight, a U.S. official confirms to NBC News that the Pentagon did not inform senior officials in the White House's National Security Council for three days that Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin had been hospitalized at Walter Reed Medical Center on New Year's Day. The news not shared with the American public until Friday, when the Pentagon announced that Austin was hospitalized for complications following a recent elective medical procedure. And NBC News has learned the 70-year-old Austin not just hospitalized, but also in the intensive care unit for at least four days, according to two senior administration officials. Asked why his stay wasn't disclosed sooner, a Pentagon spokesperson tells NBC News, this has been an evolving situation in which we had to consider a number of factors, adding Secretary Austin is recovering well and he resumed his full duties. The Pentagon declining to explain what Austin's procedure was and what complications occurred. The lack of information strongly criticized. When presidents have issues, the other cabinet members have issues, the public is notified. So there's no real justification. It's unacceptable. America's commitment to Israel is unwavering. The secretary in Israel as recently as mid-December as its war with Hamas raises tension in the Middle East. On Thursday, the U.S. carried out a strike that killed an Iran-backed militia member in Iraq while Austin was hospitalized. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Because really, honestly, what do you need your Secretary of Defense for? I mean, if the President wants to give an order, he's going to give it to the Secretary of Defense, most likely. But if he's in the hospital, he's unreachable, fine. I think the bigger problem here is just that this administration is just so incredibly incompetent. It's just not one thing. You have, a, you have the border wide open and Mayorkas is an idiot who comes on, on TV and he explains how he's doing everything in his power, yet he won't give us numbers about the border situation. You know, U.S. ships are getting attacked by this Iranian-backed bunch of lunatics in the, in the, in the uh, Red Sea. It, it just, it all looks disastrous. And there's no competency. And that's the problem. I mean, it, in and of itself, is it the end of the world? No. But when you add on to just incompetency after incompetency, this is the kind of stuff that people just shake their head at and go, isn't this kind of an unforced error here? You know, I mean, isn't this the kind of stuff that you just turn around and go, is this is this necessary? And also, too, the other problem, why they're really upset about this, is that Austin's uh, departure took away from the coverage of the high holy day of the left, January 6th. I mean, all weekend, it should have been focused nonstop on J6. Instead... We had the Secretary of Defense go missing. You know what I mean? So they're really upset about that because they wanted to give nonstop to the wall coverage of just J6, the High Holy Day of the Left. And they wanted nothing else. I mean, not, nothing to be to get distracted by that. But then this happened. And so the corporate media had to talk about that. And that's what that's what really burns them. You know what I mean? That's what really burns them. Because then all of a sudden now they had to go on explaining about why the Secretary of Defense just sort of disappeared. In the middle of the, this conflict in the Middle East, it's escalating seemingly every day. And what they wanted to do was just talk about the insurrection. That didn't, wasn't an insurrection, but you know, they can't help but say that. So that's why they're really upset. It's like, Lloyd, you know, here we are doing our best to celebrate the High Holy Day. It's the High Holy Day's weekend, you know, starting from Friday with Joe Biden's dark, dismal, depressing, angry speech and going all the way up to, uh, to insurrection Eve and insurrection day itself, and then the post-insurrection brunch, and you had a you had a you had to sully all that with your absence. So we had to talk about something else besides just J six. You took away from this year's high holy days, and we will not forgive you for that. Don't do that again. All right, don't you do that again. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten is the number if you'd like to weigh in today on the show. We got a bunch of great guests coming up including an author who's going to join us at 3.40 p.m. We'll tell you about our next uh, speaker series event, our next live event, which is going to happen in February, on February 7th. So we'll unveil that to you when we unveil it, which will be very, very soon. But I tell you what, this guy's books are amazing. I loved his first book. I read it when Patrick was just a baby. So that was back in like 2015. And I've been waiting for the sequel to this book for years and years and years, and it's finally coming out in just a few weeks. So I'm excited for it, and I think you're going you're gonna to be excited as well. Plus, with Iowa and uh, New Hampshire right around the corner, when do the candidates start dropping? Are the rumors true that if Ron DeSantis does not perform well in those two early states, that he will be dropping out and endorsing Donald Trump? Is there any truth to that rumor? And 
Donald Trump attacks Nikki Haley as being a globalist because she is one. All that straight ahead. It's a Monday. Glad you're here. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Zioli Show. On your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Oh, yeah. So the question is, uh, where does the court battle go with Donald Trump? That is the question. That is the big story of the day today, which is brought to you by Venaria Dental. That's right. My buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, my dentist, my friend, and Bridget was just in his office last week. She had a emergency she cracked a veneer so dr mike got it right in to take care of it so big story of the day today brought to you by venaria dental dr mike venaria uh the vampiric one nancy pelosi was on with the unbiased journalist george stephanopoulos and of course the unbiased journalist george stephanopoulos wasting no time in trying to get trump removed from being on the ballot i mean he's all in on this idea pelosi is not coming out and saying it but the vampiric one's been around for a long 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 time i mean she is immortal so she's you know she she knows throughout history i mean she what the romans did wrong what the greeks did wrong i mean she was there for all that so she she knows that this is bad politics but she also doesn't want to come out and say that but she's trying to like dance around it you know by saying it's a state's rights issue or something like that and she knows the supreme court's going to say this is stupid and you can't do this and she knows that too but cc but for stephanopoulos the unbiased journalist you know, no relation to the George Stephanopoulos, who was the, the hatchet man for Bill Clinton and ran all these Democrat campaigns for years and years and years and got Bill Clinton elected with James Carville. I mean, you know, this is an unbiased journalist for ABC News, the guy who hosts the ABC Sunday political show, the chief political guy, George Stephanopoulos. You know, no relation to the other guy. And this guy wants to remind everybody it's the Constitution, you see. This is the exchange. Take a listen. If you believe he engaged in insurrection under the plain meaning of the 14th Amendment, you believe he's ineligible to be president. Those laws, you know, those are up to the states. They have different laws yeah. from state to state. I don't think he should ever it's have the been Constitution. president. But nonetheless, there is a view of the Constitution in Article 14, that. Section 3, that he should not be uh, able to run for president. But that's not the point. The point now is um that again different states have different laws we don't think in california that it it applied uh in our state that's what the decision was made here but anyway not to go into that because that's very intricate what is very clear is that the american people want us to honor our oath to protect and defend the constitution of the united states 
Now, you see what Stephanopoulos is getting to is the whole point of like, but it's a constitution. And, uh, and, and the plain language of Article 14, Section 3. See, for years he wrote the talking points for the Democrat Party <laughs> before he became an unbiased journalist with no bias whatsoever. So he's, he's trying, what he does in these interviews with these prominent Democrats is he doesn't, he, he tells them what to do and he poses it in the form of a question. It's like watching a, a giant Jeopardy episode. So everything he's, he's saying in the form of a question is actually what he's telling them to say. Just go out there and say that it's the plain language of the 14th Amendment. Donald Trump can't run for president. He can't be on the ballot. That's all I got to do over and over again. But, but by posing it in the form of a question, then it looks like he's asking as an unbiased journalist. You see what I mean? It looks like he's asking as an unbiased journalist with no bias whatsoever. And then you go, oh, 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 you're just asking the question. You're not, you're not actually using this as an opportunity to tell us what our talking point should be, right, George? Because as an unbiased journalist, you would never do that, right? You would, I mean, could you, how could you? How could you do that if it was you being an unbiased journalist? Here is uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, another clip. Uh, Trump, uh, this is different, I'm guessing, Matt, 13. Trump no, should, that's the yeah. same one? Okay. Uh, and, and her point about Trump never should have been president in the first place. Trump never should have been president. See, what they can't get over is the fact that he won the election. And they, they, they just, they can't, they can't fathom that in their minds. You know, he doesn't, because he's just so raw and he, he's, he's just, you know, he says whatever comes to his mind and he doesn't play their little games, their little DC games. And they, they can't, they can't fathom that. You know what I mean? They can't fathom that. So knowing he's going to win, then all they're trying to do then is just to do whatever they can to keep him off the ballot. It's, it's the only thing. And what Stephanopoulos is doing is letting them know how you approach it. You just keep saying the plain language of the Constitution, the plain language of the Constitution. So here's D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser. Now, it doesn't matter if D.C. doesn't have Trump on the ballot. It's irrelevant, but it's more about the philosophical point here of the of of the mayor being on MSNBC and saying that, yes, you know what? You got to keep this guy off the ballot. No matter what you do, you got to do it. Cut 14. Do you think he should be barred from any ballots given his actions on January 6th? Well, I support every state taking very aggressive action um, to, to keep him off the ballot. Uh, he is undergoing, uh, you know, court action across America. Uh, you get that? So it's just, you know, court action across America. So then he can't be president. This is the problem. Because voters get very disenfranchised by this. They don't like it. They don't, you see, you can't in one breath say we're defending democracy. And then the next breath, you turn around and say, and this is why, how we're doing it, by taking away your right to vote for somebody. See, voters call that, disenf- you're disenfranchising me. That's how a voter feels. It's like, don't, don't sit here and tell me that, that it's raining when I know clearly that you are blanking on my leg. Don't tell me you're trying to save democracy by taking away my ability to vote for the person I want to vote for. This is ridiculous. And when you've got guys like David Axford out there going, you are going to disenfranchise voters. Colorado Secretary of State, she says there's no risk of that happening. There's no risk of that happening. Stop it. Please, that's all silly talk. Nobody's getting disenfranchised by this. They're happy about it. They're excited about losing the right to vote for the candidate they want. Oh, they love it. Cut 15. Do you think that there's a risk here of disenfranchising voters? I think the biggest risk of disenfranchising voters happened on January 6th when Donald Trump tried to steal the presidency from the American people. Make no mistake, that is exactly what he intended to do. Uh, We are a country of laws and of constitutions. There are qualifications for office. Uh, So, for example, if a lot of voters wanted to vote for Arnold Schwarzenegger, they wouldn't be able to do so because he is disqualified from running for president under the United States Constitution. He's disbarred, and that's just the way it is. So nobody's going to be disenfranchised. He disenfranchised people. So, no, what we're doing is totally fine. Then ask yourself, then why do you have people like David Axelrod and others coming out there and saying this is a very, very dumb political move? All you're doing is just going to you're going to make people mad. Why do you think they're saying these things? Why do you think they're saying these things? They're saying these things because they understand politics. People don't like to have these things decided by people like the Colorado Secretary of State or the main Secretary of State. They don't like these things. They don't like it. And they don't like the fact that 
you have these elites making decisions for them. And it plays right into Trump's hands, and this is what David Axter and the others know, because Donald Trump has ran on a platform of opposing the elites over and over and over again and saying constantly to people, aren't you tired of the way that they keep turning around and taking away or making decisions for you? And yeah, that's exactly right. People are sick and tired of it. So the reason why this plays right into his hands is not only because people feel that somebody else is once again, once again, you're, 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 you're taking away my right, my ability to vote for the person I want, but also these Democrats know you're playing right into his hands when he turns around and says, the elites are at it again, deciding for you, making choices for you, and treating you like, in, like a child and an idiot, that you're not capable of making decisions for yourself. A guy like David Axelrod, a guy like James Carville, they're smart enough to know that's a recipe for playing right into Trump's message. <clears throat> Trump's message has always been, it's the elites versus us. You know, I'm just your voice. And he's always said, too, you know, they're not coming for me. They're coming for you. I'm just standing in their way. Well, now you have elites turning around and saying you can't be on the ballot. You have elites turning around and telling the working class people of Iowa and other places in Colorado. I mean, you can't vote for the guy you want to vote for. Yeah, I mean, some somebody who's working all day very, very hard and wants to vote for Trump and now is being told he won't have that option because he's not going to be on the ballot. Or even somebody who's just kind of on the fence about it, but just believes it's it's it, it 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 turns around and goes, yeah, I don't even like Trump, but he's right. I mean, once again, it's the elites deciding for all of us. You know, these smug, arrogant elites who think that they know better than us, who 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 try to take these tactics and uh, believe that we can't be trusted with our own choices, our own decisions. Because what are they really saying when they bar him from being on the ballot? What they're really saying is they're they're afraid you're going to vote for him. Because they, they don't trust you to make the right decision, which is their decision. They don't trust you to make the right decision, which is the one that they want. And since they don't trust you to make the right decision, well, then they have to take away your right to, to make a decision. And if you would just do what they wanted, they wouldn't have to take away your freedom and your choices. But since you won't, they have to take away your freedom and your choices. Because you want to think for yourself and make your own decisions. Ah, that pesky thing about freedom, right? So what you do is you play right into the hands of the guy who turns around constantly and says to everybody, I'm fighting the elites on your behalf. And it's so it's so problematic for Biden right now that Obama is now coming out and telling people, you better bolster this campaign because this thing is going to be a freaking disaster. Barack Obama is saying what I said in Fox News last week. Democrats know this is a disaster in the making. All right, coming up, our special guest. Our next live event, we're going to tell you all about it. You're going to want to be there for it, so pay attention. Stay tuned. But this year, it's time to finally lose that weight the safe and natural way with NJ Diet. The results are nearly twice as effective as weight loss injections and without any of those nasty side effects. With NJ Diet, you will lose 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days, contractually guaranteed. NJ Diet uses your hair and saliva along with bioenergetic scans to personalize natural solutions and supplements that get your body into the fat-burning zone. Then, NJ Diet uses your DNA info to help you keep the weight off. Don't take shots the rest of your life. Lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40-plus pounds in only 40 days. Naturally, quickly, and safely with NJ Diet. No hormones, no prepackaged foods, no shots. You even get the doctor's personal email and phone number. So call 855-5-NJ-DIET, 855-5-NJ-DIET, or schedule your consult today at njdiet.com. That's njdiet.com. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app. All right, you know, years ago, I read a book that I absolutely fell in love with. I could not put it down, and I've been waiting for the sequel for years and years and years, and it's finally, finally out. Just about out, and I'm so excited. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. The book I read years ago that I loved is a book called I Am Pilgrim. The author is Terry Hayes, and his new book is almost out, and I want to welcome to the program Terry Hayes, the author of the brand new book, The Year of the Locust. Terry, thanks for joining me in Philadelphia. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Rich. Thank you for having me. Well, congratulations on, number one, writing a book that was absolutely amazing, I Am Pilgrim. Uh, 
and and finally getting the the second book out because I know people like myself have been waiting. I mean, seven years or so for this to come out. So we're so happy it's coming out. Well, thank you. Yeah, it took longer than I thought. Um, but, you know, I, I've got four kids and I owed them something. I think I I went to a lot of cricket matches. I saw more performances of Aladdin than any father ever has to go through. And, uh, yeah, and it's a complicated story, a lot of research. But I got there in the end, Rich. That's great. No, it is. And, and your books are riveting. I mean, the, the first book, I Am Pilgrim, uh, opened my eyes about ISIS in a way and terrorism that I, I'd never really read before. And I'm halfway through the year of the locust. I, I can't put it down. I mean, the aspect of uh, a CIA agent going, you know, so deep into uh, Iran like that undercover. It's just it, it's it's riveting stuff. And it it's all happening in real time, Terry Hayes. I mean, that's the beauty of your writing is you're writing as if it, I'm reading this happening like today, for example. Yeah, that, that's a bit of a trick. You know, I, I used to be a journalist. I was a foreign correspondent, a political correspondent, lots of things. And then I made some movies and that. But I've always had an interest in current affairs. And I, I've been lucky twice, Rich, you know, that tapping into things that are sort of what we used to say in the old days in the movies, you know, ripped from today's headlines. But, yeah, I, I've been fortunate that I, I've tapped into some very hot, topics you know in current affairs and i think it's really helped the books yeah and and where does your knowledge of because i mean your your knowledge of the cia for example and your ability to really pull back the curtain and let the reader know about the inner workings of the of of the intelligence community with its its flaws and uh and 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 all the, the the bureaucracy but also the the talent of the individual agents for example i mean where does that all come from? You, you you yourself did not come from that life. You were a journalist, you said. Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, when I want to be an evil person, <laughs> I tell people that I was a journalist, but I was really a spy. And you'd be surprised at the number of people that believe me. You could not meet anybody less like a spy than me. I talk too much, Rich. That's my problem. <laughs> if, if the enemy asked me a question three weeks later, I'd still be talking. I'd still be explaining things. So I'm not given to, to that life. No, I, when I was a young reporter, I, I was 21. I, I, you know, the organization I worked for, an Australian newspaper group, um, set me as the youngest forest, foreign correspondent uh, and I went to America in, in New York. I, I was the youngest Australian foreign correspondent ever, which was sort of something to be proud of. But better than that, they gave me an apartment opposite the Dakota where John Lennon was living, which was pretty neat for a kid from Australia. But they also gave me a credit card. Can you imagine? How stupid were they? They <laughs> sent a 21-year-old to the U.S., and gave him a credit card, you know. So anyway, one of the stories I did was about Australia's involvement in the Vietnam War and the part that the CIA played in getting Australia into that war. And I met quite a number of people in the agency, some of whom had left recently at that time. And it it sparked an interest for me because, you know, it's where where politics, diplomacy, and the real world all collide. And then so I've had a lifelong interest. And I've met lots of people who have worked at various intelligence agencies. And, you know, I, I read a lot and, and I know how to use the Internet. I know how to research. I know how to find things out. I was an investigative reporter. So you put all that together and you come up with something in the books that seems pretty close to the truth. I hope it is. And, you know, what you were saying about it uh, about it is a great compliment to me, you know. I, I mean, it really is. And uh, so, you know, that's that's one for me on the scorecard. Well, you know, Terry Hayes, when I, when I read I Am Pilgrim, and I remember this because my, my son Patrick was only a few months old, and we were down in Florida, and my son was having all these issues, his digestive issues. We, we, we couldn't find the right formula to give him. Uh, and my wife and I refer to that time as the troubles because it was a very, very tough time. But your book, yeah. I mean, I couldn't put your book down. And she would yell at me sometimes like, would you stop reading, please, and come in and help me? But that's how good I Pilgrim was. 
Oh, truly. And and I learned more about the caliphate and ISIS. And you you don't hold back. I mean, there's nothing politically correct about your writing. I mean, you you bring it right there and you, you know, you don't you don't apologize for these bad guys. I mean, you you put them right on display. And I was just I mean, I, I couldn't put it down, which explains why the book was a number number one global bestseller. I mean, it was it was a massive success. And I, I predict the same is going to be for the year of the locust. Uh, but that's the thing. I mean, you you don't. You don't hold back. I mean, you you make some very, very I would say good villains. I know that's kind of an oxymoron, but you write villains pretty damn well. Well, thank you very much. You know, your good guy can only ever be as good as your villain. And I I think the problem that a lot of people who are working in the same genre as me they decide that the good guy is really villainous. And they take away all motivation and they sort of make him a bit of a paper cutout figure. Well, that's fine, except that that means your hero doesn't have to stretch himself. I think one of the good things about Pilgrim, and there are many things that are wrong with it, believe me. I mean, I won't reread it. I don't want to live with all of my mistakes. <laughs> but one of the good things about it is that the the hero is up against somebody who is as intelligent and resourceful, or perhaps even more intelligent and resourceful than our hero is. So it's a bit like, you know, do you want to watch Muhammad Ali fight Sonny Liston and Sonny Liston takes a dive in the second, or do you want to see him fight Joe Frazier and it goes 15 rounds, you know? So I went for the Muhammad Ali at his the top of his form fighting a guy who is almost as good and possibly better. So, yeah, I, I, I think that, and of course, part of that was you lay it on the line. The, the hero's a flawed guy. He's got problems. But, you know, the bad guy is, you know, got a very, very bad plan. So, yeah, I, I think it, that was one of the reasons the book became as successful as it did. Um, yeah, and I'm very thankful for that. Don't get me wrong. No, I I, I, I know you are, and I, and I can tell, you know, what a genuine guy you are, and I'm excited to host you in person. I'll, I'll give the details on that in just a moment. The new book, The Year of the Locust, so the so a a a guy who is with the terrorist organization winds up have, getting information about a spectacular plot that's planned against the United States of America, and the CIA mm-hmm. learns of it and has to figure out whether or not it's real, and so they send this this CIA spy to go into and and how do you describe it when they go to a place where the agency basically won't own it and it, it, the guy's on his own? Yeah, they're called denied access area spies. Uh, these are really brave men and women. Believe me, this is not a job that you want to sign up for. But yeah, so they go into North Korea. They go into the bad parts of Russia. They go into Iran, you know, uh, into Yemen, uh, anywhere where, you know, there, there's no help. There's no hope or help if you if you get unmasked. Uh, that's a pretty tough assignment, you know, but that, that, that's his job. That's what he specializes in. It's just, it's, it's remarkable when, when I'm reading this and I'm thinking about that, if, you know, something happens to you, you're on your own. There's, there's no 911 to call. There's no rescue team coming in. You're, you're, cause you're not, the United States no. is not going to acknowledge you're there. So you're on your own here. And, and, and this whole idea of following this, this courier to find out if he's telling the truth, and or whether or not he's just mm-hmm. hosing the United States of America and then what this guy is planning to do to the United States of America, even more spectacular than 9-11. Uh, and but but I, before you can even get to a place where you where you, you can find out this guy can get the information back, he's got to go through Iran. I mean, he's got to go through the like the back country yeah. of Iran. And Terry Hayes, I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but the way you write this and you're describing this to me. I was I was uh, like terrified for him as I'm reading this going, my God, at any mo- moment he's going to get discovered by the Iranians. Like the people that think we're the great Satan are going to capture this guy and they're going to kill him or mm-hmm. actually killing him would probably do him a favor. Oh, yeah, they're going to torture him first. I mean, without giving. Oh, did we lose Terry? He's still there. Yeah, 
relatively early on where a person gets crucified. Now, you know, crucifixion is not putting somebody to death. It's actually killing them by torture. Yeah. And anybody anybody that's seen a you know, Passion of the Christ made by my dear friend Mel Gibson, if anybody's seen that, they know what you go through. So, yeah, it's a bad place to be. And funnily enough, I was speaking to a guy uh, two days ago who is uh, very closely associated with American Special Forces at a very high level. And uh, he's he's been into Iran and Syria and lots of other very, very dodgy places. And he was complimenting me on how accurate the descriptions were and things like that. So, you know, that's where the research pays off, Richard. That's, you've got to give it that, you know, you want the readers to feel like, oh, my God, I'm there. Not that, oh, some guys watched a YouTube video, you know. Yeah, and you and, and to learn something from that, Terry Hayes, is also key. You mentioned your dear friend Mel Gibson. You worked on Road Warrior. You worked on Mad Max 2 with him. You help write this stuff. I mean, yeah. your your credits for writing and producing are amazing. Dead Calm with Nicole Kidman, which was a, was a very terrifying <laughs> movie. Uh, Payback, Road Warrior, uh, uh, From Hell, I think you worked on as well. I mean... Yeah, with, with Johnny, yeah. Johnny Depp. Yeah. How, how did you... I mean, how did you... Uh, did you like... I mean, working in Hollywood and, and writing some of those movies that were such massive successes and for, for some great people, by the way. I mean, Johnny Depp, Mel Gibson, people love these guys. Uh, Nicole Kidman, I mean, people love them. So that must have been just a, a blast. No, no. <laughs> I wish it was, Rich. No? I wish it was. Well, you know, yes, I'm very proud of the movies. Yes, I was very young. And I think a couple of the movies are actually very, very good. And, and that's wonderful. But, and, you know, I made some movies in Australia and then I went to Hollywood and I, I made other movies and did lots of other work, you know, Slice the Lone and Cliffhanger, Flight Plane with Jodie Foster, lots and lots of movies. Hollywood is not a pleasant place to work. Mm. It isn't. You get a very, very well paid, but it it can grind away at you. So, you know, I, I got to a point where... I sort of got a bit sick of dealing with people in studios and, you know, taking notes and trying to adapt things. And I thought, well, it's going to be a lot better and a lot more rewarding if I just write what I want to write. Now, that's very difficult to do in the movies. Maybe a few great writer-directors, Chris Nolan with Oppenheimer, uh, Ollie Stone at the very top of his career. Yes, you can do that. But for a person working primarily as a writer, you're always being rewritten. People are always coming up with what they think are brilliant ideas. And, you know, last year they were working on Wall Street. This year it's more interesting they're working in Hollywood, you know. So I I decided to go and write novels. Um, I got paid a lot of money to write movies. That was great. And I told my wife that I was going to go and write novels. She said, oh, that's good. I hope you're happy, you know, wonderful. Um, Any idea of how much you get paid? And I said, no, not really. And she said, well, you know, you're getting north of a million dollars a script. Any idea with the books? I said, no. Anyway, I sold the first book to to Simon Schuster in America, and uh, they gave me an advance of $80,000. And That's I less. Said to my wife, <laughs> yeah, I said I think our lifestyle's going to decline a bit. She said, "How much?" I said, "A real lot." I said, "I think we're going to have to." We didn't have any kids then. I said, "I think we're going to have to start looking at the price of things." I, I think we we can't just go in and tell you about it and that. And uh, yeah, it was tough there for a while, Rich. It, it was, you know. I mean, it was a massive adjustment, both creatively, financially, emotionally. You know, and very lonely. You know, you sit in a room for years just staring at a screen. You're only friends of the characters. Uh, whereas in movies, you know, you make a lot of friends. You deal with some brilliant people, directors, actors, and they become, you know, you become a little community. So it's very, very different. Um, but, you know, I, I struggled on, and, you know, it sort of turned out okay in the end. Well, it certainly did. I'm excited to learn more and talk more, and I want to get into details about 
what it was like to film Road Warrior and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, and of course talk about the new book, The Year of the Locust. And that's why I'm so honored that you're going to be joining me in person February 7th at Rosemont College in Bryn Mawr for our very special night together, Terry Hayes. I'm, I'm excited, uh, thrilled, actually, to be able to host you for this. And um, I'm loving the book. And everybody who comes, we're going to copy the book and we'll get to... Uh, see you in person and say hello and, and listen to our chat together. So I could not be more thrilled. February 7th, Rosemont College in Bryn Mawr. And uh, I can't wait to see you in person. Thank you, Rich. The same here. And uh, I'll make sure I, I clean myself up and I dress nicely. Um, <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> Don't get too dressed, Terry. We're all down to earth here. I promise, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> Great. All right, Terry Hayes. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very much, Rich. You have a great day. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 